Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. All hell breaks loose because Cam Newton tests positive for coronavirus and can't play in the game, and they end up, they should have started Steny Hoyer because Brian Hoyer wasn't any good. <laughs> and Steny Hoyer at 80 years old would have been just as good as Brian Hoyer. You and Chris Saliza might be the only two people that would make a Steny Hoyer-Brian Hoyer joke <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, funny. I just think that's funny. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. Let us start with some personal stuff. One is a note to Michael from Jake Barney, and he writes, Just a quick note to say how great it was to briefly chat with you on the 10th tee of Riverbend. It's so refreshing to realize that you're actually as genuine a guy in person as you are on the show. I couldn't stick around for the results, but hope you did well. One thing I wanted to say to you for the last three to four years, if I ever had the chance to meet you, was that you and your dad's conversations about golf inspired me to get back into the game. So please, ignore the golf haters out there. Playing and learning about the game is all I want to do in my free time, much against my wife's wishes, and has truly become my passion that ultimately led me to begin volunteering this year. It brings me so much joy to teach kids from all walks of life about the game and important life lessons, and I look forward to it every week. Isn't that nice? What a great note, and thanks for volunteering on the 10th hole. Jake Barney. What's so great is we get to the 10th, and and they have one of the first tee players on every par three who's going to hit a ball with you. And if he or she hits it onto the green and is close, you can use that ball. So we get up there, and again, Clint's somewhere working. Jake just goes, uh, what group are you guys in? And, and it's Clint of, Clint's event, so I just go, we're in a Clint's group. Looks up, smiles, goes, la cheeserie. Ah, I'm not going to lie, wow. I was actually nervous. This wow. was 171 to a back right pin. I was a little nervous, air mailed the green, back left, uh, back oh. left bunker. We used Clint's ball. Oh, okay. That's, that's great. And this from Gretchen Andrew and Charlie McNeil in Rockville, Maryland. We heard you're looking for a dog trainer for Chessie. We highly recommend Sarah Stoikos with Laughing Dog Academy. Sarah has worked wonders with my family's Airedale Terriers, Augustus McRae, Gus, and Otto. Gus and Otto were amazing with my wild and always on the move 15-month-old Charlie. I think if she can work with these boys and have success, Chessie should be a cakewalk. So maybe we'll call that number because that's very, very nice. Um, I've been delinquent with Chessie. It's my fault. I haven't trained her. Like today, I just put down a snack for her. I had her sit down and then lie down, and then I wanted her to wait, and then she just looked at me and ate it, and she didn't even wait. And how did you respond? I got angry. Yeah, you screamed. I did, so no good. Now, here's another one. <laughs> this is from Alex Hughes. I want you to, Michael, I want you to look at this. Hello, not sure who sees these emails. My name is Alex Hughes, a longtime fan and listener. I'm an even longer time fan of PTI, literally having watched or listened to the podcast version since inception. I'm 31 now, so it's been a great companion through a lot of formative years. I draw as a hobby, usually portraits, and decided to kill some quarantine time this year with a portrait of Tony and Mike. I've attached a photo of the drawing here. Would this be something Tony or Wilbon or anyone else associated with the show would want to own? If so, please let me know and I will frame and ship it. I'm not looking for a sale or a shout-out or anything like that. I just figured I would offer it. If the crew or someone else wants a copy, I can have high-quality prints made, but obviously there's only one original. Kornheiser or Wilbon gets first dibs at that. Please let me know if anyone is interested. Thank you. It's 8 by 11. Looks better in person. It's just a photo I took with my phone. It's great. I want it. This, is, this needs to go in the attic today. It's, yes, it's great. It's so lifelike. I'm, I'm realizing features I never wanted to see. It's so great. So, Alex, Alex, if you're listening... Alex, if you're listening, it's a yes. Okay, let me get to a couple of things. Um, we will get to Tom Brady and the probability, as Michael Irvin said, that he's an old man and he didn't. He lost count of the downs. We'll get to that with, with Jason Lock and Fora. Let us talk quickly and briefly 
about the baseball. Uh, the Atlanta Braves had no problem at all with the Miami Marlins, as I thought would happen, because they play them all the time. They're in division. They shut them out all the time. You know, they, they, One team has arrived, one team is... That's right. So um, Houston had surprisingly little problem with Oakland, a team that finished above them in the standings, in the head-to-head this year. Houston moves on. I know that annoys a lot of people. It annoys my friend Tracy. She does not root for Houston. Houston cheated. They cheated and lied. They did. But Houston moves on, and they will play the winner of the Tampa Yankees series. That is now the only one still going. And um, tonight, probably the best pitcher in baseball, certainly the richest person in baseball as a pitcher, Garrett Cole, will go out against Tyler Glasnost, which surprises me because Garrett Cole is working on three days rest. The other kid's working on two days rest. Um, Tampa Bay may have boxed themselves in. Because they're not, they don't have Blake Snell, though I would suspect Blake Snell will be in the bullpen. The most interesting thing about this series, about all of these series, there's no days off. You can't set up your pitching. This is going to test how deep, right, Michael? How deep is your pitching? Because there are no days off well, at that's, all. That's why the middle innings were so important. And then last the Dodgers moved on the easily Yankees because it, it bridged them to get to Chapman for the back of the game. Right. And it looked like the, the Rays were sort of punting early in Game 4 to try and set up this Game 5, and they have the pitchers to try and go inning-by-inning matchup if they need to. But the story so far in the divisional round, at least, has just been these home runs that come from everywhere. You you look at that Houston series, it didn't matter how many they were down. They were coming back. People are banging them out in California. They're banging them out in the American League series, which is set in San Diego and Los Angeles. They're crushing the ball. Voight hit the ball 10,000 feet yesterday. Um, the Yankees can score 10 at any time. You don't want to get in a single elimination with the Yankees because they can pop it from anywhere. They have the most home runs ever in a five-game series. It is now up to 16 home runs. Do I think Tampa's a better team? I do. Tampa handled them. Tampa, even with the loss last night, is still 10-4 and four against the Yankees head-to-head this year. But a fifth game with the Yankees is a very difficult proposition. With and that pitcher. With Garrett Cole. I don't know what he's got. I don't know what he's got. He's not. He hates Trevor Bauer personally. They were teammates at UCLA. And Trevor Bauer has proven he can go on short rest. And maybe Cole wants to prove the same thing because he hates Bauer. But I don't know if he can go on short rest. The other things are set. The Dodgers, the Dodgers, they play the, the play of the entire round all eight teams was Bellinger going over the wall and bringing back a Tatis home run. These are two stars. Tatis is the guy that everybody says will be the MVP, but the other guy is the MVP. And it's the it's the what's been brewing for now over a month with the two teams about showmanship and what you're allowed or not allowed to do under the code of baseball. Yeah. Uh, but you look at the Braves, and I said this to you during the wild card round. I think they were a team that was really helped by that setup because they hadn't won a playoff a series. series in so long. That allowed them to get through. If they got through, that allowed them to get through. Their bats were very quiet in that series. And then you look at game one where it comes down to a guy they acquired this year with Azuna who gets that single. Azuna's I think it was player. in the sixth inning, maybe seventh, but there's first and third. or First and third, they're down by a run. That opens up everything, and they play in, an entirely different series if they lose that first one. Big surprise for me, though, is their bullpen has been absolutely shut down, led by the Death Star, who I mean, we watch this guy pitch a lot. I've never seen their bullpen this steady, and yeah. that's been something that has been growing and strengthening for two seasons now. 
But again, all of these games are played in rapid order. It tests your entire roster. So we see what happens. And that's what you wonder about with young pitchers like what the Braves have. Yeah. Freed is awfully good as a starter. Yeah. So um, I get a note yesterday from my friend Peter Lazarus, who listens to this show, who is a doctor in Fort Worth, who was the best man at my wedding, who I've known my entire life. And he gave you the tree. Uh, and he gave me the tree, the ficus tree, and he is my daughter's godfather. And I get a note that the Pulitzer Prize, the Nobel Prize, rather, the Nobel Prize for Literature has been given out to a woman named Louise Gluck. She's a poet. And he writes, she went to Hewlett High School. This is our high school. And I write back and I go, well, do you know her? Do you know the family? You know, is she young? I assume she's younger than us. And he says, well, everybody's younger than us. We're the oldest people in the world. <laughs> well, it turns out she's older than we are. Turns out she's older, and, I, and she's a poet. And I'll just read the beginning, the first paragraph of the story. Louise Gluck has won the 2020 Nobel Prize in Literature, the Swedish Academy announced Thursday. The judges cited her unmistakable poetic voice that with austere beauty makes individual existence universal. The New York-born writer, 77, is one of the most celebrated poets in America. She has won a Pulitzer Prize, a National Book Award, a National Book Critics Circle Award, and a Bollingen Prize. I don't know what that is. I guess you get a piece of Bollingen, whatever that is. She was a poet laureate of the United States from 2003 to 2004. Inside the story, it gives an example or two of her writing. And I will say that Peter looked at some of her writing and uh, wrote back, she's not Checky Green, which I think is fair <laughs> to say. She's not Checky Green. So here's something. Here's something. Staring blindly ahead, the expression of someone staring into utter darkness and thinking which meant I remember the attempts of the mind to prevent change. Riddled with self-doubt, self-loathing, and at the same time suffused with contempt for the communal, the ordinary, forever consigned to solitude, the bleak solace of perception. I'm not reading any more of this. This is like, I don't, I'm sure it's very, very good, but it's dark and it's lonely, and it's self-confessional, and you know what? Poetry, to me, rhymes, and it becomes a song. I'm not that great on poetry. And those are the two sides of the Hewlett Public edu Education. Yeah, so, I mean, for an English major, I'm not that big on poetry. I I'm not, and, and I grant you that. And, and part of, here's another paragraph. Her work is widely anthologized and the subject of considerable academic study. In 2002, Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux assembled her life's work in a collection titled simply Poems, 1962 to 2012. Reviewing the collection for the Washington Post, Stephen Ratner wrote, Gluck's poems is weighted with the dark matter of the human universe, invisible in our everyday interactions, but at the core of our conscious experience. Though Gluck lays bare the most intimate moments of longing and loss, these poems are not what we think of as confessional. They're more like the record of a shipwrecked survivor trying to come to terms with the strain of isolation and the stark horizon of her island. Language is the castaway's only refuge. Again, not Shecky Green. I think Peter was right about this. I'm sure she's great. I'm really happy for her. She won over a million dollars. The prize is worth $1.125 million. God bless her. Very happy for her. And I don't know. I mean, it just, it's not, it's not uplifting to me, just to me. It doesn't make me laugh. I just want to laugh most of the time with the coronavirus. I want to laugh. 
In an interview in 2012, Gluck said, I learned to read very early, very young, and my father was found, fond of writing doggerel verses. So the children, the two of us, we started writing books very early. He would print them out, and we would illustrate them. And many times the text was in verse. So that's really nice. She described her young life, her young self as, quote, not a successful adolescent. She felt that other con children considered her strange. I became quite withdrawn, and then I became severely anorexic. Again, I, you know, I know some comedians. Most of them are tortured and crazy, except for Billy Crystal, who seems very, very normal. I just sort of want to laugh. I'm happy. For, I, don't, I don't want this to sound like I'm not happy for her. I'm happy for her. Brent Glass wrote me about her and said Mrs. Nelson, who was an English teacher, a great English teacher in, in high school, would be very, very proud. And I'm, you know, I just, it's, that, that's not what I want to read. Michael, you know, you. you what know, if she had a poem about her driver's ed experience? That would be great. If she got hit, if the door <laughs> fell off and Susan Pfeffer was, was only allowed to drive in the, in the park, <laughs> that would be great. But this is, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. I have one other story to tell. And I, I wish her all the luck in the world. We shouldn't need luck. She's got a million one. Is this about the scooters? Please be about the scooters. It's not about the scooters. It's about the, the shoes that, um, for those of you who don't know this, because I don't know that we did this on the air. Nigel ordered two pair of those bass shoes for me, the Earl Boaters in tan, 10 and a half. Um, ordered them from me, got the 30% discount, so that these shoes, which are normally $64.95, <coughs> excuse me, $65, they always say compare at $125. That doesn't mean anything. That, that doesn't mean anything. They're selling them for $65, and they always sell them for $65. You can compare them to a winner's day. I don't care what you compare them to. They're $65 shoes. So that's 130 for two, but we got them for 91 91 bucks, and you made the order, and the shoes are being shipped to me. And the shoes should get here on Saturday. Did you get tracking? Uh, Nigel takes care of all of this. And I'm going to give Nigel money, cash money for these things. And then I went upstairs after we ordered the shoes. <laughs> oh, you found a coupon. <laughs> you found more shoes? I oh, you found the secret stash. found two new pair. <laughs> well, now you're set. Two brand new pair of these exact shoes, <laughs> which now gives me four brand new pair of these exact shoes and at my age i'm not getting through them i'm not getting through them i don't know what to do we're at that point that's how you that's how so you i feel sort time. of stupid i just feel sort of stupid there were two brand new pair of these shoes one of them not even taken out of the wrapping do you not remember your thanksgiving stories that you share on this show every other year that I buy a lot of these that shoes. That you buy not but one I pair, but you buy a backup pair. Yeah, but I yeah. thought I had, I thought I drained them. I just feel bad now about what I said about Louise Gluck. I just, it's just not my, you know, it's not my choice. It's not what I like to read. I understand that. It's just not what I like to read. I'm sure it's great poetry. Do you like poetry? I, I do. I tend I like to rock like, and roll I songs. tend to like more traditional poetry that has a, a stricter structure. Now, but think about this the same way you want to laugh. There are some people where that verse is going to allow them to access emotions or feelings, see the in-between spaces of their everyday experience that they might not otherwise be able to find on their own. Yeah, I just, I mean, I felt that it was an identification with pain and sadness. And I, you know, I have reached the point, what? I was going to say, I've got a good line of poetry um, that... I think you might enjoy. This is actually a jib by a guy named um, Wallace Stevens. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, sure. I've, I've always appreciated this line. It goes something like, let B be the finale of seem. The only emperor 
is the emperor of ice cream. And I've just always liked that. <laughs> there you go. Or a poem <laughs> that I read yesterday on PTI. Roses are red. You're going to need whiskey to watch TB12 <laughs> with Foles and Trubisky. That to me, Ride Home wrote that. I thought it was brilliant. That is brilliant. We'll take a break. <laughs> take a break. Jason Lock and Four of CBS Sports will talk about the NFL and TB12. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. So this is a brand new ad, and I'm going to read it verbatim, and then we're going to discuss it afterwards. Hey, football fans, are you an Amazon Prime member? Did you know you can watch Thursday Night Football live on Prime Video? That's right. It's the future of football. You can catch all the action on any device almost anywhere in the world. You can choose your favorite announcer, including Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, or Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah from Move the Sticks, or Chris Long and Carrie Champion from NFL Next. Get next-gen stats and watch in-game replays on demand, all within Prime Video's X-Ray. Next-gen stats are real-time stats powered by AWS. No more waiting around. You can access the current stats anytime. Need to check how your fantasy player is doing? This is the ideal way to stay up to speed. In-game, on-demand replays are accessible on your remote on Fire TV or by turning your mobile device sideways. That's tremendous. Turn it sideways. I've never heard of this. We call that landscape. So if you're a streamer or simply want, I'm a dreamer. If you're a streamer or simply want the most custom way of watching Thursday Night Football, tune in live every Thursday starting October 8th, which is yesterday. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. and kickoff is 8.20 p.m. Eastern on Prime Video. Also available on Fox and the NFL Network. NFL Network simulcast subject to change. Thursday Night Football is presented by Bud Light Platinum. It's fine to read this ad. Why are we reading it the day after Thursday Night Football? Why didn't we get this ad the day before Thursday Night Football? This is just getting you ready for next Thursday. I guess. I I can't do any of these things. I watch things on TV, on television. And you know know what I don't do with my television? I don't pick it up and flip it sideways. (laughs) It's too heavy. I don't know how to do that. So... Me reading these things, it's fine to read them, but everybody who knows this show knows I have no idea. Well, where else do you get your next-gen stats for your fantasy team? I don't know. I don't have Great a fantasy point. team or next-gen stats. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's about time we start living. It's about time we start forgiving. Find a song. We can sing together Find a way we This can is sent to us by Ray Fica, the lead singer and Maracas player of the Bedrocks, and he said this is a resend of the 2019 Bedrocks' greatest hit, It's About Time. The song is our humble acclaim to John Lennon, who would have turned 80 today. The message of the tune is simple. Imagine if everyone just stopped yelling at each other. Give peace a chance. Come together, people. It's easy. The song was written at the Dakota in an apartment Lennon once used as a writing studio. Not going to lie, it's still really eerie walking through that tunnel on West 72nd Street. Thanks for the countless hours of fun and laughs on the podcast. And never forget, the walrus walrus was Paul. It's about time and other music by the Bedrocks can be enjoyed on iTunes, Spotify, and most major music platforms. Thank you, Rick. Thank you very much. It plays in Jason Lock and Four of CBS Sports and his own radio show in Baltimore, which he'll plug later. I mean, I was going to start with Tennessee, and I'll get to Tennessee. 
But what happened with Brady last night? I mean, yeah. even Wilbon and I, Wilbon and I were going to give 10 on this. I mean, we were so sure that Chicago was a bad 3 and 1 team and that Tampa would come yeah. in and win that game easily. What happened? Yeah, I, I don't know that I thought Tampa would win it easily, but I thought they'd, they'd win. I thought, you know, three points. I kind of thought it'd be a push, honestly. I thought they'd, really? they'd win by three. Okay. Um, I don't, I mean, it, it seems, I know that they're saying he, he knew what down it was, but it seemed to me that he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to think uh, that that's some revisionist history there. It was just kind of an odd game. I mean, the first couple of drives, you, you're certainly thinking, if you were inclined to think that Tom Brady was going to have a big night, it, it certainly yeah. started looking that way early. Um, they, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to sit here and make excuses for him. They've had a lot of personnel issues on the offensive side of the ball, without a doubt. Um, I didn't think Chicago was going to score, you know, more than 17-ish points. Uh, they just don't really have much of an offense. It's the occasional play from, you know, Foles to, to Allen Robinson, but not much else. Um, I'll give Chicago credit. They're finding ways to win games. I still don't believe in them. I don't think they're a good team. I don't think they're going to beat good teams in January should they manage to get there. Um, but, I, you know, it's just a weird night. To me, I, I, I think the, the short work week was a problem for the Bucks. I think some of the personnel – Issues and injuries was a problem for the Bucks, and that looked like a game where um, nothing's coming that easy for them. You know, like Brady had a half. The second half against the Chargers last week, he was on fire. The first half, it was a struggle, you know, and, and a lot of these games. I mean, obviously week one, the Saints game was tough. Even the Carolina game. Carolina game, great first half. Second half fell apart. Carolina's right there with them, you know, at the end, and they had to make a couple plays late. To put them away, it, it's certainly not full bore there yet. That's for sure. Michael Irvin apparently said he's an old man and he forgot what down it was. Ah, uh, I'm older than him, so I <laughs> by a few years. Yeah, and I I can certainly vouch for. Uh, I I feel a little dumber every day, so I I don't know. Um, I don't know if age was a factor or not, but I I just think that. For, for a guy who has been so on top of it, so situationally aware when it comes to anything football-related, for really the entirety of his career, since he was an absolute nobody, and people are like, who is this guy replacing Drew Bledsoe? That it's just very out of character, and for it to happen you know, in that critical moment on a night when it was the only game going on uh, certainly magnifies things. Yeah. All right, let me get to Tennessee. I read on a crawl on ESPN today that that game is now scheduled for Tuesday. How can that be? They're, they're running around with coronavirus that haven't been allowed to practice. They've had yeah. positive tests, like 23 staff. and How can that be? Well, I mean, at one point, their game against the Steelers was supposed to be Monday and then maybe Tuesday, and now it's in week seven or whatever. Um, I, I would say all this is written in pencil. Um, okay. You know, they want to be able to have something for you to put in your – you know, you're, you're, if you're looking at the preview guide or whatever on your TV, and you want, you know, okay, well, we'll put it there now. It's going to be, it's going to be Tuesday at six. But you're right, Tony. It's all depending on um, the medicine and, and the science and the data at this point. It's not a, it's, it's not a football decision. It, it's a medical decision. And if the numbers don't go in the right direction, if the numbers don't allow for that game to be played, it's not going to be played. Um, the, the good news is. You know, Friday morning, 
there are no new positives with the Titans. Um, now, you know, we'll see if they can, if that's the case again uh, tomorrow, then you could maybe practice Sunday, Monday, and play Tuesday. That team, though, has basically had two straight weeks of not being able to do anything. And I think it's a little different than than baseball, where it's an individual sport. You know, this is such a team-connected sport where one guy's movements dictate the other's. Uh, two practices in two weeks and then playing a game after having a sh- training camp and playing three, it's it's not ideal. I don't know what the football's going to look like. I also know that everybody's lives have been... <laughs> you know, uprooted, changed to some degree because of this thing. And guys are going to just have to roll with the punches and deal with it. There was a memo that was circulated to all the owners in the NFL and it talked about fines and it talked about draft picks and it also mentioned the word forfeiture. Yeah, the F um, Will and Wilbon and I talked about this yesterday. He said in his mind it's getting close to where a forfeit would be correct. And I said, oh, no. Oh, God, that is a last resort. They surely have padding in their schedule. You can't do that after four weeks. You can't have a team forfeit. Where are you on forfeiting? Well, we're not there yet, but if, if there is a team that um, – and look, what they're finding with the Titans is pretty egregious. Now, this is the first real incident of any outbreak in the NFL. You know, We've had a couple positives yes. here or there, but this is obviously um, – the situation in that building is far more severe than anything we've seen anywhere else in the NFL. Uh, but it's still the first time, and, and you know, these protocols are new. And I don't think, you know, they want to go to the nuclear option the first time. But like we just said, there's no guarantee this game is played on Tuesday. And even the earliest points of their investigation last week were pointing to some severe, gross mismanagement of these protocols and some things that should not have been allowed to happen. And the more they dig, the more they find. Is that going to be enough for them to... To tell them, hey, you're just going to take you're going to take L's until your building can open back up, and we're just going to play the schedule as normal, except for your games. This is going to be an automatic victory for the opponent. I mean, it could get there, Tony. I, I don't wow. think we're there yet. Wow. I don't think we're particularly close yet. But I also can't predict the future, hour to hour, day to day. <laughs> this is like you know we've we've never seen anything like this in our lifetimes. Um, they have to figure out, do the players still get paid? You know, how do we compensate them? I mean, they were the, the, the Titans players, the other team's players. Uh, these guys aren't doing it, uh, you know, for the hell of it. They're, they're, they're doing, going through this whole experiment to feed their families. So there's a lot they'd have to sort out with the NFLPA. It's not something they want to do, but there also is the idea of the integrity of, of the schedule for everybody else who's doing the right thing. Yeah, you can't have seven-inning doubleheaders in football. You can't do no, that. No, and I mean, you can't have guys in a hotel room for two weeks and like the, the Cardinals, and then all of a sudden one day it's like, oh, you're playing again, and, uh, you know, no. good luck. I mean, you're going to have guys getting hurt. It's a, it's a very different sport. All right, let me get to things that happened during the week. Um, Bill O'Brien got fired. I did not have him as the first to go. I certainly did not. There's a lot of uh, smoke now about... J.J. Watt getting into a sideline argument with him and the team looking at this and the team reacting in X way or Y way. How surprised are you Bill O'Brien was fired? Um, not, not super surprised. That he's the first one, yes, because there were other guys who came into the season probably a little bit more on the ledge. 
Bill O'Brien did a really good job of running back, like walking the plank for himself and getting right to the, you know, getting right very quickly to where, you know, uh, a Dan Quinn or an Adam Gase might have been at the start of the season. Uh, his personality is incredibly grating, and he had the owner as sort of um, his benefactor for a long time. But when you ask to wear, not even really, and in some ways demand to wear as many hats as yep. he does, and I think we might have had this discussion a few weeks ago. It's like you, you eventually you want all the power and all the titles, and, and you get it. Be careful what you look for because the moment things go really bad, there's only one person to blame. You can't, you know, you, you can't blame your puppet GM anymore. You can't blame this guy. You can't blame that guy. It, it's all on you, and the players saw that, and they started to call him out on it more. Um, and the way he treats equipment staff, the way he treats the training staff, the things he's willing to say about people in front of in mixed company. Um, you put up with that when you're winning these divisions and, you know, okay, well, we're going to win 10 games and maybe we'll win the playoff game. But then you trade away the best player for next to nothing. Um, you start running out of things to hang your hat on. And his, you know, Custer's last stand was just stripping his buddy of play calling duties on the offensive side of the ball. Was, oh, no, no, I'll do it. I'll get us out of this rut. Then you lose to a team that hadn't won all year. Um, that, that's you know that's a pretty good way to go from sort of the golden boy to hey he's the problem in in fairly yeah. short order. Okay, the demotion of Dwayne Haskins to third string behind a guy with one leg. What do you make of that? I wrote a whole column on this one at CBSSports.com. Um, I, I just think it's it's ridiculous. If you wanted Kyle Allen and you weren't willing to change your system and it's all about what we do and the way we coach and what's winning football for us, then you should have just come out and said, hey, they played Dwayne Haskins sooner than they should have last year. He got caught up in an ugly, uh, you know, fairly despicable war between Jay Gruden and Dan Snyder, and he was caught in the crosshairs. So Gruden blew up that kid on the way out by playing him sooner than he was ready. And then we all knew Gruden was going to get fired, and he got fired. And, and, you know, he didn't have a fighting chance last year. So we're going to give him some time to learn. He's only 23, and we're going to stick to our system, and it's going to be, a, you know, we're going to see what we got in Kyle Allen, and, hey, Alex Smith is closer than you think. If you sell that in the summer, I'm buying it. But we're trying to win or we're trying to develop players. I'm going to use my timeouts this week. No, I'm not going to use my timeouts next week. Um, Fourth and 25, let's have them chuck it around. Same game, two series later, fourth and whatever, fourth and eight from midfield. Now we're punting. Like, ah, man, no. It's, 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 It's added, you know, fuel to the fire there that's seemingly always burning no matter what. I'm uh, the kid could do things better. He's got to grow up. He's got to mature a little bit. He's 23 years old. He's been caught in the crosshairs of one organization, you know, one one, one uh, tug of war after the next for power in that organization, and it's 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 all a symptom of a completely warped, failed organization structure. Um, and I don't know when it's getting any better, Tone. I, I just don't. All right, Oops, Lamar Jackson's knee. What's the deal with Lamar Jackson's knee? He's the MVP. Uh, I keep being told that, you know, it's out of an abundance of caution. Um, He did take a hit in that game against the Washington football team. Um, He's obviously the franchise. Uh, They don't want to play RG3. (laughs) So if we got to put him on ice for the week, 
we're going to do that. I mean, from what I'm hearing out of some guys in that building is, you know, we're basically told it's just going to be all about, you know, game day, and we're not going to risk anything happening to Lamar in practice. Now, Friday is usually more of a walkthrough. Um, we'll see what he does today and, and what they list him as. And I'm guessing they'll probably list him as limited. I would think he'll do some things today, except he's also dealing with some sort of illness. So they may just tell him to stay home because of that as well, because, you know, anything that maybe it's a cold or maybe it's not. So it, it, it's, uh, it's a different time, to say the least. Uh, but I, the bottom line is the sense I'm getting out of that building is they think he's their quarterback this weekend. Okay. Um, one other question. Justin sure. Herbert, named by the Chargers. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, he's done. He got injected in a malpractice circumstance by the team doctor, and he's done. He's done there. And I only bring this up because I wonder, Tua, uh, yeah. do you hear anything as to when? Because Burrow has looked good, you know what I mean? So yeah. are the Dolphins going to play Tua or no? Uh, yeah, they will. Um, you know, I'd always kind of heard, look, let's let's look at four to six weeks of what we've got, how he's looking in practice, how the offense looks with Fitzpatrick. Um, right. You know, and then we'll have some organizational decisions to make. Uh, Fitzpatrick hasn't been great. We're right in that four to six week sweet spot. Um, and I, there are definitely people in that organization who are intrigued by what they've seen from Tua. You know, remember the hip injury was pretty significant, so. Um, you know, there was never a sense like we got to look at him as soon as possible. And Fitzpatrick played really well down the stretch last year, <clears throat> and, and he's capable of having these you know four to six week stretches where he's playing really high level football. Um, now, larger sample size, that's that you know he tends to regress and regress pretty quickly. I, I think Tua is playing football this month, Tone. Uh, okay. I think uh, at some point in October. He's going to take over, and it could be as soon as next week, depending how this game goes. I would just say of Ryan Fitzpatrick, he is a professional itinerant quarterback. Yes. You're not embarrassed to have him on your field. You're not. He's good. No. He's just no, not he great. He can make some plays and, and help you stick around in some games, uh, but he is also a turnover machine, and when that happens, yep. it tends to happen in droves with him, and it's been happening a little bit lately. Plug your show for us. Uh, if you want more of this high-quality football chatter. <laughs> if you have not got your fill with Jason Locke and Flora, you would be in the distinct minority. But anyway, come check me out from 2 to 6 weekdays on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. You're not in Baltimore, no problem. You can listen live on the radio.com app. Plenty of Ravens talk. Our producer, uh, Cordell Woodland, is a big WFT super fan, so we do get into the Washington football team a fair amount and just a lot of NFL talk in general. Thank you, guys. Oh, there we go. Hope, uh, There's hope a dog. The this weekend. Our <laughs> best to copper. Talk yeah. to you. Jason Lock and Flora, like boys and girls. dogs this week, by the way. If you're a good for him. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break. Um, we will come back. Um, maybe James Carville and Jeff Ma. Maybe just Jeff Ma. We don't we'll know. See. We don't know. We never really know. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. It's Halloween this month, at the end of the month, every year, October 31st. And Policy Genius would like to mark the occasion by making something less scary, home and auto insurance. Policy Genius saves their home and auto customers an average of $1,127 a year by shopping top-rated insurers in one place. 
and here's how it works. Head to policygenius.com, answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then Policy Genius does the rest. They'll compare rates from over 30 top insurers, from progressive to nationwide, to find the lowest quotes. Their licensed experts will look at all the ways to maximize your savings, including bundling your home and auto policies. If Policy Genius finds a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll get you switched for free. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. So if you're a homeowner, head to policygenius.com right now to get started. They've saved their home and auto insurance customers, again, an average of $1,127 a year. Do you know how many shoes at $65 a pop you can buy with $1,127? Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Tim Wildsmith, who says, I'm writing to you today, not from my home in Nashville, but from England. Hence the song called Long Way Home, where I'm about to begin a postgraduate fellowship at the University of Oxford. How great is that? The person to whom I'm related by marriage and I are currently in a mandatory two-week quarantine inside a small rental house. We're unable to leave even for exercise or groceries. On second thought, I probably should have sent you my song called Everything is Not Okay. Please tell Michael it's raining in Oxford. And ask Nigel if he has any recommendations for when we are finally able to venture out. All the best to you and the gang. We love Tim Wildsmith, and he plays in James Carville. James had a rough week a couple of weeks ago. He had a three bet on New Orleans, and that did not work out. And you lost a, one other game, maybe a college game, yeah. and you said that you would never bet on Tulane again. What is your state of mind? You are agitated. Yeah. I'm agitated. So we've been doing this for a long time. We've never talked about politics on this show. Nope. Nope. I am so I am so just upset and focused on the country and the election. I just request to leave absence until after November third. Because when I make these picks, I have to try. I call sports writers and look at a couple town sites, and you know, it, I put something in it. And I just I just can't. I mean, I made a bad pick with the Saints. I was all in on that. Never did it. Yeah. Not making any excuses. But I just cannot, I just can't, I'm not the kind of person that just gets up and just picks three games out of, pull them out of my, we're going to show, I actually try to win. I don't generally about 500, or, you know, like most people. But uh, I just, I can't, it, it's just, it's just sickening what's going on. Kidnap, trying to kidnap the governor of Michigan and just insanity. I mean, the country needs to change it. I just spent all my time trying to help it change. That's just you are my friend of long standing. You can have any leave you want. Obviously, I. But here's here's a serious question I have. I now watch on television basically only sports, and I'm so glad for the glut of sports in the last month or so. If sports doesn't give you refuge, if it doesn't, James, make you happy, that's terrible. That's it terrible. Is. It, it is. It is. I, 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 you know, I love baseball. I'm not, I'm not yeah. like that. I could try to the Yankees in the Rays. Yeah, it's going to be a great series. And I, I watch two innings, and I get distracted. Yeah. I, I, literally, it's hard for me to watch. It's hard for me to watch an LSU game. And I, my whole life has been living around LSU football. The greatest night of my year, January thirteenth. The only thing I would say, if I'm I'm out, but you're never going to go wrong betting against Nick Saban. I just got to say that. If you just spent your life betting on Nick Saban, you'd do pretty good. I mean, that guy, he's just never off. 
No, he's great. He's great. All right, take take your okay, leave man. and come back when you want. We love you. I'm, I'm mentally away. I love y'all, y'all. I love all y'all. I just can't give you listeners to, but you know, I, if I can't put some homework in it and try, it's just not worth throwing teams out there. And I run into people all over the country that just you know love the segment on the show, and you know, you know this thing has brought me as much of comment as old school. <laughs> good. That's good. Thank you, James. Call us when you're ready. Call us when you're ready. James Carville, boys and girls. I love James. I met James and Mary, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago, something like that. James got Bill Clinton, uh, James and George Stephanopoulos um, did the political work for Bill Clinton when Bill Clinton was a governor of Arkansas. Nobody knew who he was. Right? Nobody had any idea who he was, and he became president of the United States, and James basically rode into town, and he was the most exciting person that anybody had ever seen. He did not have any regard for conventional behavior or conventional wisdom, and he became a very big star, and he became a friend, and I've enjoyed his company over the years, and he's been you know, a really you know, dear friend because you can, you can call him. And he'll take the call, and you can talk to him about anything. Mary as well. Mary put me on TV for the first time uh, on a show called Equal Time. The, the show was Mary and Jane Wallace. It was the first all-women talk show. And he, he, she put me on. If Jane took vacation or something like that, she put me on. and Didn't even make me wear a dress, which I thought was funny at the time. Um, and she would, during the middle of the show, she'd take out a hairbrush and start singing into her hairbrush as if she were the Supremes. <laughs> I love I, I I can't tell you how much I love James and Mary. So um if James wants leave, he can he can have leave. Is Jeff Ma? Can we get Jeff Ma on the air? I believe Jeff's can we make here. A call to Jeff? Oh, Jeff is here. Okay, great. So Jeff, I I I went over this with Chuck Todd yesterday. I took the I took the New England game off the board. I mean, it was a a plus 7 and you and Chuck both took New England. But against Kansas City, but because of the Cam Newton thing, I took it off. And Chuck said, "Well, you have to do that. That's what anybody would do." So I assume you're okay with that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, early in the game, it looked good for New England. But yes, I mean, it did. The, the, the game fundamentally changed when they moved it from a from a uh, what what they did like a sports book. If you bet that, they would have canceled your bet when they when they moved the the time and the date of the game. Okay, so I wanted to make sure about that. You have been taking so many underdogs. I, I do remember this. You, you were very critical. You didn't like Cincinnati. You didn't like Joe Mixon, and Joe Mixon gained about 4,000 yards last week, if I <laughs> yeah, recall I correctly. Yeah, I to motivate him. He's on my fantasy team. I needed to find a way to motivate this guy. I'm sure he <laughs> listens to this podcast. So oh, not only does he listen, his entire family calls up early on to say, who is your guest this week? That happens all the time. All right, what have you got for us this week? Well, we're just going to get this out of the way. Um, the Jets plus the seven against Arizona. Um, oh, no, no, you know, the, no, no. Tony, when, when they announced Joe Flacco was a starter, do you think this line went up or down? I think the line went down because Flacco is a professional quarterback. The line actually went up. So, oh, you know, this, okay. it's, it's interesting to see what's going to happen here. But, I mean, you know, we joke about the Jets, obviously. And yeah, they stink. Rightly so. But this is, you know, Arizona started the season and everyone started thinking, okay, well, this is one of the up-and-coming teams. But they've yes. been pretty mediocre. And so I just think on the road, going east, 
giving seven points is too many, so I'm going to take the Jets here. Okay, what else? We're going to take Cleveland plus one over Indy. Um, Obviously, this line was a little bit earlier. It was a little bit higher earlier. Yes, Um, yes, it was. Um, Expect that Cleveland will win this game. Indy is, is a team that everyone has fallen in love with because their defense has been so good. Um, but I actually like Cleveland here, um, you know, basically just to win the game in at home. So I looked at that line, too. Uh, there was two and a half yesterday when we gave it to Chuck Todd. And I said, how yeah. how can this be? How can Indianapolis be favored by two and a half in this game? Cleveland just, I understand they've beaten a bad team in Dallas, but they scored 49 points. You think they're going to go to zero in a week? I'm with you on this one. I, I like Cleveland in this game. I would have liked yeah, him more I mean, I, at two and a half, but anyway. I, I do think it just shows you how much people like this Indianapolis team. I mean, they were favored last week in Chicago against an, an undefeated Chicago team. So this is just a team that people have, have kind of fallen for. Okay. I'm what else? The Giants, Giants plus the eight and a half <laughs> over the Cowboys. Um, the Giants have surprisingly been pretty good on defense from a yards per play standpoint. I think they're ranked in the top ten. Uh, the Cowboys have not lived up to sort of what everyone thought they would be this year. Um, it, and I just, I think the Giants have, have started to find a little bit on offense. Um, and I think they'll, they'll keep this game close. What is interesting to me about this is sort of the long term. Mike McCarthy. I mean, if they lose this game, you know, that's a division game to a terrible team. The Jets and the Giants are terrible teams. If Dallas were to somehow lose this game, I wonder if Jerry Jones says, what did I do here? What did I do here with this guy? Because we're now starting out in, in the worst of all time. Do you think, could that happen? Could it happen? I don't I mean, it's hard to believe that Jerry Jones is going to go against himself that quickly because, I mean, obviously... It was, when this is one of those things that like you don't look back and say this is a bad decision. When they made this decision, it seemed like a bad decision. So I feel like he has to live with this for at least the season. But but who knows? I mean, it's okay. It it does seem like a bad decision, um, even at the time. Obviously, when they made it. So okay. What else you got for us? I'm gonna take the Vikings plus the seven against Seattle. Um, obviously, Seattle has looked great this season. Specifically on offense, but you know we, we all we've all said, oh, they have no pass rush. Minnesota's offense has been um, surprisingly good this year, better than people would expect from the yards per play standpoint in the top ten. Um, I expect them to be able to score some points in this game and therefore keep this game inside the seven. Okay, got another one. Yeah, last one would be Pittsburgh minus seven against Philadelphia. Uh, have been against Philadelphia. Yes, you have been uh, last week. Well, last week, and then I, right. I just, I just, their offense is terrible. I see them having a lot of trouble scoring against this Pittsburgh team. Um, and Pittsburgh obviously can score; they'll score some points. Their offense has been uh, pretty solid this year. With you know, they they got that sort of like uh, lucky buy. So I mean, I think they've you know that that will play in their favor here. And I like Pittsburgh minus seven. So this is the same as last week in the sense that you took four underdogs and one favorite. Are you constitutionally inclined to taking underdogs? When you, when you look at something, do you feel the tug of an underdog more than a favorite? I mean, historically, the underdogs have always had a little bit more value embedding the NFL. Um, this 
season. It's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I think generally people that, that, that these things from an analytical standpoint are usually seeing themselves taking underdogs because the public tends to want to take favorites. Would you, if, and when the Titans play again, and I know you do this analytically, I don't know that there's emotion involved in that, but if, and when the Titans play again, is that a game you would stay away from? Because it's just it, you just don't know with that team. I mean, there's a so last week the Minnesota game was a game that most analytical people really liked Minnesota uh, against Houston from a, from a number standpoint. Yeah. But you had a you had this whole new thing where they weren't going to be able to do very much prep um, because of you know the the restrictions that were being placed on them. Um, similarly, New England had a situation where they weren't able to do much prep, right. and then they were like flying day of the game. Day These of. are sort of yeah. unprecedented things. Um, and then certainly Tennessee will be have been off for who knows how long and who knows what they were doing. So, yeah, I, I think probably you would stay away from that unless you saw the line get so out of whack from what it would be that you just couldn't resist. I mean, I ended up taking Minnesota last week. Um, you know, in you know, my own life and um but that was a difficult choice because ultimately when that line popped again after the, it reopened, it went all the way up to five, meaning like people in the market fundamentally believed that Minnesota was at a disadvantage, but then it went back to three and a half. So in my mind the market was telling me that they didn't think it was a big deal and so I ended up feeling comfortable with that bet. And you won. You won that one. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean anything that I won one game, but yes, the, the, hmm. that that was a successful sort of decision. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff's uh, podcast is Bet the Process Thanks, with Rufus Peabody. We love to have Jeff on the air. We love to have James on the air. We love Chuck Todd. I like doing. People say, "Well, do you enjoy?" I enjoy this. I enjoy when people explain why they make bets. I like that. We will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of That's Tim Wildsmith stuck in quarantine in England at the moment. That was recorded in Nashville. Nigel wanted to do the Bethesda bagels ad. Michael oh, yes. is taking home bagels for the boys all the time now. It's very good. Very I have nice. to fight for the good bagels. Yeah, he gets his choice of a bagel. <laughs> I do not get my choice, and you, you always send the veggie cream cheese home. Yes, I, well, no, I'll send real cream cheese home with you today. Go ahead. <laughs> we love uh, the bagels from Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. Several locations around the D.C. area. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you. But as I said, we love them, and you will as well. All right, I guess that'll do it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, I just want to say that's exactly why we want to produce this play, to show the world the true Hitler, the Hitler you loved, the Hitler you knew, the Hitler with a song in his heart. It's springtime for Hitler in Germany. It's Mel Brooks. It's the producers. It's just so, it's so great. It's just so great. Ah, you know, winter for uh, Poland and France. Is that what it was? Something like that. Thanks to our guests today. Jason Lockenfora, James Carville with his confessional. We love James. And Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks as well to our sponsors today. Policy Genius and Amazon Prime, where you can now watch Thursday Night Football. 
Watch it next Thursday. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From John Austin in Omaha, Nebraska, the Forgotten State. If you were not aware, Ian Anderson, the rookie pitcher for the Braves, who's dominating right now, is a Binghamton Bearcat. I was not aware. He played for them from 2016 to 2019 before being drafted by the Texas Rangers. Hopefully that gives you somebody to root for in the postseason, even if it's for the enemy. That's wonderful. Why are all the Braves so likable? It's, uh, it's well, because Freddie, Freddie Freeman. Because Freddie Freeman is likable. Todd Berkner in Adamstown, Maryland. Since you are trying to order your Bass boat shoes via your phone, does this mean your annual pilgrimage in the pre-dawn hours of Black Friday to the Bass outlet will not occur? I will miss my annual pilgrimage to stake out the store and silently observe an old orange man emerge from the darkness and enter the Rehoboth Bass outlet, make his way around the store, painstakingly select his boat shoes, pay cash for his shoes, and then make his way back into the pre-dawn morn. It's like observing a rare bird or a sea turtle lay its eggs. From Austin in Portland, Maine, listening to you describe your attempt to purchase something with your phone was like the audio version of staring at a crash on the highway. I strongly encourage Michael to set you up with the one-touch Apple Pay solely for content purposes. It'll be like one of those subscription box companies, but for old men who only want to buy tan boat shoes and t-shirts without pockets. From Matt in San Antonio, I'm not sure what I enjoyed more on Wednesday's show. You're acting as Nigel's... In indignant IT help desk. It's a computer, right? Just buy another computer. Or two minutes later, your sheepish questions. How do you buy online? Nigel, can you buy online? I can't buy online. Good work, Grandpa. Shout out to Caleb, my little in training. From Chris Clark in Midlothian, Virginia. Not to add insult to injury, but Bass is in the process of closing all their retail stores. Time to hit the outlets before the only way to purchase is online. Thanks for all you do. From Stan Knocky in Shawnee, Kansas. I'm also a certified old guy, so I sympathize with your technological challenges. My guess is within a few weeks you will receive two pairs of singing bass via free shipping. At least you'll be able to listen to Take Me to the River in every room as you pad around the house in your bare feet. Did you ever get an email response? Nothing. From John in Boise, Idaho. We are in agreement that the payday is the world's greatest candy bar, but here is one more reason why. When I was working construction in the 1980s, during the summers of my college years, my mother would always pack me a lunch. In addition to the standard fare of a sandwich, chips, and a piece of fruit, she would usually put in some type of chocolate bar. And every day when I would eat the lunch, saving the candy bar for last, only to realize it was a melted mess of goo, since it had been in the lunchbox all morning in the heat. Then one day she gave me a payday. And guess what? Paydays don't melt. I have said this. It's why I carry them in my golf bag. Paydays don't melt. It was at that moment I became a payday fan for life. Those puppies can ride along in a golf bag for weeks or years and never melt and never go bad. They were a protein bar before we even knew what protein was. If we could just get people to sit down and enjoy a payday bar together, I'm sure we could achieve world peace. Too bad a payday candy bar can't run for president. It would be a lot better than those two jokers we have running now. And wouldn't we all feel a little better with a payday candy bar in charge? The white package also shows you are highly responsible if you're out on your bike at night. From Steve Pierce in Silver Spring. As a fellow Gen Xer, I love to hear Chuck Todd's memories of sharing Van Halen vinyl records with his father. Now I would love to hear Chuck's French horn orchestration of Hot for Teacher. I don't know what that is. Um, That's probably... That's a Eddie Van Halen, right? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Zach from Boston. I attended Camp Bowercrest as a Jewish youth. 
I distinctly remember the counselors intentionally matching the biggest, strongest kids against the little shrimpy ones. I was neither. Serious carnage was unfortunately very common. More than one kid was sent home from camp early with serious injuries. I'm a pediatric emergency medicine physician fighting the pandemic and nervously anticipating the forthcoming winter surge. I listened to your show on my commute for a bit of escapism. I never thought Jewish summer camp steal the bacon would be my David Aldrich moment. Is official pediatric emergency medicine physician of the Tony Corners show still available? No, because you've got it. Zach from Boston, you're it. <laughs> yeah, you're out on email. your bike tonight. Do wear white. Look, look at the like Michigan it. man. Right. Look at the Michigan man. Uh. <laughs> it's about time we start living. It's about time we start forgiving. Find a song we can sing together. Find a way we can come together. It's about time. It's about time, it's about time I was taught this homeland was a place of liberty Where the rich, the poor, the dreamers could live with dignity Now everything just starts with a shout They don't know what they're talking about Just can't let another moment pass The sand's gonna keep on
Let's unite.